let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and once again, we're not alone, are we, mate? No, and we haven't just got one guest drinker with us, Steve, we've got two. Uh, but I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Over to our guest drinkers. Hello, I'm Julie from Neptune Brewery. And I'm Les, also from Neptune Brewery. Would you believe? <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show, folks. It's, it's great to have you along. Um, you you've been very kind to send us some beers to feature this week. And we, we absolutely love it when we get to feature beers and have the brewer on uh, at the same time to talk about those beers. Because it means that we don't have to do anything. We can literally just sit back and enjoy the beer. So we're going to be drinking three of your beers this evening. Tell us what the first one is that we're going to be drinking tonight. The first one is Single-Handed Sailor. This has actually been brewed before, but only once. And it was brewed for draft only, cask and keg. But it proved very popular. It's a hazy tropical pale. It proved very popular. So we thought, you know what? We're going to throw this in the can. And yeah, the cans are, are selling really well. It's got citra and summit hops. So it's got that bit of juiciness in it. Uh, orange zest coming through, some citrus notes there, some grapefruit. But it's not got a long finish because it's a pale. It's quite short on the finish. But it's really flavoursome and it's quite light as well. It only comes in at 4.2%. Sounds absolutely delicious. Can we, can we try some, please? <laughs> Go for it. Let's go in. Cheers. 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 What do you think, Steve? I, I, I think Judy's description was bang on. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the first thing you get from it, you get this massive tropical hit on, on yeah, it. On the aroma. Yep. And, and on that, that first sort of like mouthfeel, that first taste on it as well, that, that, that tropicalness is there, carries right through to the finish. There's a little bit of bitterness on the finish, a little bit of dryness there. The tropical notes hang around for a bit and, and, and then they're gone. Like, like you say, it's, it's, it's a very short finish on it. It's, it's really light. It's, it's really, really easy to drink at, at 4.2%. What, what about you, mate? I uh, agree with all of that. I, I was getting a little bit of earthiness as well. Um, I can definitely see the cask-type qualities in the beer with that, that slightly earthy, woody feel to it. But yeah, it's uh, lovely tropical notes, but it's still quite light. It's their light pale ale, but with the tropical hit rather than being maybe a bit too thick, a bit too juicy. Hazy is probably the accurate descriptor yeah. for it, yeah. to, for looking at it rather than that full on juice bomb. It's yeah. really rather nice. And I don't see how this is going to last long, especially not in your glass, Steve, which has that big hole in it. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Um, we, we better crack on, otherwise I am going to drink this before we've even really got chatting to work <laughs> this evening. Our listeners will know that we obviously got to try some of your beers previously, uh, back in the summer, uh, which again, we was very grateful that you sent those down to us to try. And we, we did really enjoy those. And it's fantastic that, that from that moment, you kind of came back to us and said, oh, can we come on the show and, and, and talk to you about the brewery? And we was like, yes, absolutely, please do. Um, so this this is your opportunity uh julie les tell, tell us about before we get into the brewery so tell us about your kind of journeys into in, into beer where did the uh where did the rabbit hole open for you guys uh for me it was probably maybe 10 years ago or so uh maybe a little bit longer 10 12 years possibly i was a guinness drinker as 
probably a lot of people were at the time. Um, and I was introduced to Real Ale in the Ship of Mitre in Liverpool. And I was like, ooh, this tastes nice. <laughs> um, and basically went on from there. So a couple of years just drinking, you know, generic, you know, sorts of Real Ales. And then um, there was a bar opened up in Liverpool called the 23 Club, uh, which opened up in 2012. And it was the first craft beer bar in Liverpool. Uh, much lamented now because unfortunately it's no longer no longer there but they were instrumental in bringing a lot of the American beers over beers from Europe Scandinavia and obviously all the new stuff that was coming out of the UK and literally just got hooked from being in there um, obviously all the you know, sort of Jaipur and sort of magic rock doing their stuff at the time and it was just the taste coming out of the out, the flavors out of these beers, and that was literally what got me got me really hooked into it. At the same time, we were mingling with other people in the Liverpool beer scene, you know, sort of fledgling breweries like Mad Hatter at the time and stuff like that. And so we sort of got involved in that sort of circle. Um, yeah, the rest history for, from from where I sit. Mine's more much the same as as Les. I was um, a cider drinker. From the age of 16 up until 40-something, um, I was a, a cider drinker and I never really entertained beer. It was only when we started going to a lot more festivals and Les said, why don't you try a, you know, beer? And I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. And it just sort of went from there. The first styles of beer I like were, were dark, stouts and porters. I found were more to my taste at the time that, yeah, it was about 12 years ago. And um, when 23 opened up, again, it was a fantastic opportunity to try so many different beers from different countries, not the UK, as, as Les has alluded to. And yeah, it's just sort of stemmed from, from there, really. So, so how did it take the leap from being people that enjoyed drinking beer to deciding that you were going to open a brewery and start selling beer? When, when did all that happen? Um, Les had a midnight crisis. Definitely a midnight <laughs> crisis. Instead of buying a Porsche, she wanted to open a bloody brewery. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, seriously, we, we were sort of, again, going back to the 23 Club, they had monthly meet the brewers. And again, it was uh, early days of Beaver Town, it was Harbour, Weird Beard, and you got, when you did the meet the brewer, you actually got to meet the brewer. It wasn't meet the sales rep and whatever else. And you could see the passion in these people and, you know, what they were doing and bringing all these flavors. And the job I was doing at the time, I was getting a little bit bored, shall we say, a little bit fed up, wanted a change. We do say it's a midlife crisis. And I was sitting with a mate and we were sitting in the pub and the beer we were drinking wasn't particularly good. And I just said, you know what, I can make better beer than this. I've never made a beer in my life. <laughs> and obviously, we had, we had been drinking. Um, Six hours on. And, and then he went, yeah, I'm sure you could. And that was the end of it. And then like a week or so later, I went, what do you think? You know what we were talking about? So we literally bought a crappy homebrew kit off the internet, made some syrup into alcohol and went, this is easy, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> And then just sort of got the, a bug of homebrewing, if you like. We, you know, we'd homebrew once a week, gradually increased the kit. And then we're like, you know, we can make a little business out of this. And, you know, and that's how Neptune was born, really. It was a, a homebrewing journey into 
into, into you know, obviously production brew. I think the thing that also spurred us on, it, you know, that sounds all, you know, quite comical, but to a degree it's correct. But we also um, passed the beers that we brewed out to, to friends and some of our peers in the industry and family, and we wanted them to give feedback, and the feedback was very positive. And a couple of them said, so, you know, you could do that as a business. Mm. You, you know, you should open uh, a brewery, you know, because they're really good beers. And, and it was great to hear that. Um, and that sort of spared us on. So, the you know, that small little tiny kit sort of then grew. Yeah. And, yeah, as I say, yeah. here we are nearly six years later. I was just going to say, when did, when did Neptune then start, as in the brewery we know it today? Uh, 2015. April 2015, um, and the first beer came out a month or so later. So we've been home brewing for about 18 months, 12, 18 months before that. And um, as I say, it was then that we thought, you know what, it's now or never. Um, craft beer was getting a lot more popular. So we thought, well, people are saying they're enjoying the beers, they were tasting it. You know, I'm not one for. So, so go and I wish we'd have done it. I'd rather say we've done it and we failed, but at least we had a go. You know, if is one of the biggest words yeah. in the English language, isn't it, as such? And so now we just went for it and, you know, we, we've not looked back since, really. In, in that time, the, obviously, the, the last five, coming on six years now, that the, the brewery's been growing, what, what sort of size have, have, have you grown to now? So you, you've got, obviously, a much bigger output now. Um, but what what sort of size are we talking about brewery-wise? So we started off, we were very cautious as such to start off. We started off on a 200-litre kit, basically, so a one-barrel kit. And it was more to do with, I'm not saying we weren't sure about the beers, but it was, we were not sure about the the marketplace, if that makes sense. Sales. Uh, so we thought, we'll, we'll start cautiously, you know, start small, so... And it was it was just cask output. We did a little bit of bottling, but it was mainly cask output into into obviously just the Merseyside area. Um, obviously, from then, you know the, the beer was going well, so you know people were asking for it. We had pubs asking us for it. Uh, so after maybe just short of twelve months, we were like obviously this is going to be a bit more successful. So we went for a six barrel kit, so ten hec, um, couple of fermenters. And then after that, um, I think a year later, bolted on another two fermenters. And then just over a year again later, we bolted on another two. So we've now got uh, six fermenters on. Um, we've increased the mashed-on size for a 10-barrel so we can obviously get some, some bigger beers out as well without doing double, double mashes and things like that. Everything we've done has been through organic growth. We've not pushed anything as in oh, let's go and be a 10-barrel or a 20-barrel. Um, you know, we've, we've wanted to do everything steady. Yeah. That, you know, everything that we get goes back into to the brewery. It's organic growth. And so, you know, it's Les and I that are accountable for what comes in, what goes out. And, you know, and that's the way it's it's been yeah. up to now. And that's the way that it will stay. Yeah. And we're quite proud of that, really. That you, you know, it's been through organic growth, not that we've just felt yeah. so let's jump in. Because I do, you know, we have heard of other breweries that have grown far too quick in such a short time and they they have been struggling or they're struggling now. 
trying to get the sales to keep up yeah. with the, the big capacity that they need to, to get out to pay the things. So we're very lucky mm. in that aspect that, you know, we are where we are. We were actually going to expand beginning of this year uh, with a couple more fermenters as well. Um, that was on the card, but obviously March came plus COVID and that sort of put our plans on hold. Yeah. But, you know, once things are back to, to normal, we will then increase capacity again. And have you found that, do, do you predominantly just, or, or were you predominantly just serving the the local area with your with your draft beers and then getting a bit further afield with small pack or or, or did you find that your, your beers were going a bit further afield just in general initially it was obviously with merseyside sort of weddle chester um and then a couple of years ago probably maybe yeah two three years ago we started dipping into manchester a little bit which obviously with the amount of breweries in manchester is not the easiest thing to do um so them, but it, it's always been draft um, with us as such. We've been canning for three years, but it, the 80-90% of the output's always been for, for draft. Um, and then, obviously, we've picked up distributors, so we've had beer down to London, over to Newcastle, to Scotland and stuff awesome. like that. So, only more recently with the events that are going on, the small pack stores have taken on a little bit more of a more importance. Mm. But the draft beer that got us, that still seems to be what's getting us further afield. When we first started brewing, it was cask. For the first 10 months, um, we just produced beer for for cask. Um, And then we thought, right, okay, beer's going out, let's switch this up, let's try and do some keg beer. And, And, you know, that sold. Predominantly, I think most people think of us about cask. Um, but you know the keg beer is is certainly just as, mm. as good, and as Les has just said, the you know the the cans sell. We have our four core, um, and then as I say, we do occasional and we do new beers and things. And now, obviously, the situation yeah, we're selling a lot more cans than what mm. we'd previously done. I was going to say, have, have the cans been well received by the, the the public? Are people enjoying being able to get hold of your beer in small pack? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they've proven very popular. Say so we've had a, a lot of uh, bottle shops contact us um, just before COVID as well as during, asking, can they take our beer, which is great. Um, lots of positive feedback as well. Um, you know, it's it's great when people want your beers because there's that many uh, breweries out there to choose from, and we're always grateful for anyone who buys our beer. And that's not just as as trade; that's for the customers as well, drinkers off trade. You know, because they have a choice to to buy others, and they they choose choose our beer. And that's very humbling, to be honest. You know, and. That, that makes us happy. With the cans, what strikes me is you've got a very distinctive brand. It matches. It's not haphazard. So you may change a bit of the colouring in the background um, or in the forefront as well. But it's definitely a brand. What, what, what's behind the, well, A, the name Neptune and, and everything else with it? The previous life I had was in aquatics. So aquariums and ponds and all that malarkey. And the business was called Neptune Aquatics. Um, so 
when we decided to start the brewery and we were trying to think of names for the brewery <laughs> and we came up with all the usual ridiculousness and the more you think about it the worse it becomes and you're thinking we can't call it that uh, and then I think I said, why don't we just call it Neptune Brewery and we were like actually you know what that works yes so we've got that backstory now as well so a lot of the beer names are now named after things to do with the sea or water fish We've got some fish names in there. We've got the... Mythological creatures. Yeah, so it's sort of... It's, it centres down an alley which, luckily, like the sea, is quite vast. So I don't think we're going to run out of beer names and things like that, but it's nice to have that backstory and they all tie into each other. We throw in the odd song name and stuff like that as well, which is related to the sea. This one, this one we're drinking now is actually a, a song title. Uh, from Dire Straits back in the 80s, showing me age again there, but there we go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, and with the branding, from day one, we were thinking, obviously, if someone sees that Trident, they'll know it's our beer. And if they've had our beer before and liked it, and they'll go, oh, I recognise that. And on a bar, it'll stand out. And we've had people who said, oh, I like the red one. I like the blue one. They don't know what the beer is, but they remember the, the, the Trident. And then they'll go, as you say, the colour will be different, but they recognise the Trident. So sometimes you just buy the beer on the, on the, on the branding rather than actually what the beer name is and things like that is. So we, we've been keen to keep that sort of through everything we do. So obviously the cans, the pump clips, the logo, you know, all the merch we do has always got that Trident on. So... Mm. Uh, it's quite important, I think, for us now just to sort of keep going with that now because people understand what what it's about. When they drink a Neptune beer, they think that's a Neptune beer and know it's a Neptune beer. Yeah. Mm. It may not stand out compared to a lot of other cans out there because there are some absolutely amazing can designs um, because they're not jazzy, they're not in your face, they're not bright and not orange and, you know, hence yeah. maybe, you know, like like... Beaver Town, if you like, they're very prominent. You see that, you know. But at the same time, we, you know, we we want that slight subtleness is as well. We want the trident to to stand out as well. And so you know, you see that trident, and you go, yeah, that's you know, Neptune. That's at the forefront of what we want the trident. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's so important, though. I, I think I think that's the thing that's often over, overlooked with with branding and, and and like you say, yes, there there's a lot of great cans out there now that are covered in some amazing artwork. But but sometimes the one thing that you can't find is the name of the brewery or their logo. So yeah. especially if it's a new brewery that you've not seen before, or even the style of the beer. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the, you've, you've, you've got it bang on there in terms of that, that trident of yours does very much stand out on, on whatever background it, it sits on. I mean, I, I remember when we were in Liverpool for Martin Stagdo, we, we finished off in the, the grapes, yeah. and they had um, one of your beers on. It was a 10% Imperial Stout, and, and I saw it on the pump clip as soon as I walked in, and I was like, I want that. I want that beer. Before I'd even read what it was and what the ABV was, I was like, I knew I wanted it because I knew it was from a local brewery, and it, it was delicious. It was absolutely not what I needed at the end of a twelve-hour <laughs> stag do, but it was it was absolutely this, and it was on cask as well, and it was yeah. perfect. 
Well, that would have, that's say, obviously, the, the, the Grapes is one of those pubs where Wilson, who's, who's the, the manager there, the seller, the sellerman, you know, doesn't matter what beer you give him, a, obviously, but it doesn't matter what, any beer you give him, he'll go, I'll have it in cask. And he'll put sours on, he'll put saisons, whatever in cask, imperial stouts. Um, you just know it's going to come out right as well. So obviously, from our point of view, if it's like a, it's a, it's the what's to say the pinnacle of of just to be fair, Liverpool's brewing scene at the moment is, is well was the great. Well, I say it still is, but with lockdown, it's not. Uh, every brewery what has the beer and the grapes, every brewery, and they know it's going to be right. And it's now one of those pubs you go into, and you're pretty much guaranteed to bump into a brewer as well, because they know the beer is going to be right. Yeah. Especially for cask beer, it's, it's foremost on, on cask. It does sell keg, but it is more about the cask beer with the yeah. grapes. And, and Wilson is, is greater, mm. you know, salmonship as well. So. It was a cracking place to finish off. And I can't remember what other beers I had. As Steve said, it was the, the back end of the day. But it had, to, it had a lovely feel to it as well. The yeah. I think if it was the uh, 10% uh, Imperial, it would have been uh, Hear the Sirens. Which is the first house. Yeah. Well, I actually brewed that beer. It was a beer I brewed with Katie Mather, who's also a, a beer writer. She's opening up her own bar soon, Corso. And Katie came across, and her and I brewed that. And I so say we called it here the Sirens, uh, which was our first Imperial Stout. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, yeah. both of us really it, pleased with it. Um, believe it or not, it was pushed by uh, Clitheroe Camera, we're doing their beer festival. Um, they said to us, we want something that's brewed by ladies, that's not brown and not twiggy. So I think we, we, we basically nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. And he actually did want to call it Poke the Dinosaurs, but we were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe, not maybe, like, maybe not so subtle. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. well, no, it's a, it's a lovely beer and I'm thinking about rebrewing it to next year might even barrel age as well yeah. see what happens Ooh. okay now now you're talking now that's now you're uh, very that's much steve and martin <laughs> take paying attention barrel yes. age <laughs> Just going back to our our designs and our cans we must give a shout out to jp who is the designer for for all our our cans uh, he just you know he gives us what we ask for basically yeah. he will think of ideas and he'll come up with suggestions we say what the beer is going to be and he will then yeah. come up with you know the he, 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 he does our website and, and everything else so yeah. eyes wide design if you want to give him a plug <laughs> <laughs> well you, you just have yeah. <laughs> yeah. obviously you mentioned that 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 one off uh, well it was one off at the time the 10 percent imperial stout was a, a bit of a special that that, that you did um yeah. in in terms of the, the the brewery's offering uh you've got you've got a core range yeah mm -hmm. we have four beers what we class as our core range we've got um mosaic azili so mosaic's a 4.5 percent american pear which i think you guys drank on the the show a couple of months ago uh, Azili's 4% Pale, which is probably our best-selling beer. Uh, Wooden Ships 4.7, and again, American Pale. And then we do Abyss, which is an oatmeal stout. So they're the four beers we, tr we, we try and keep in stock all of the time. Not always, you know, achievable, but we do try and keep them in stock all the time. 
and then around that you've got rotating would are they, are they just other beers that you want to brew at the time or would you class them as seasonals or or, or specials that, that rotate yeah, around we, that we have some regular beers like amberjack is more of a, a regular beer now um we've also got uh, well we did have a, a a better king of the sea which we brewed more regular but we put that on hold and we brought out a new one called panama which is a, a golden bitter um we've got equinox which is a, an ipa as well so we like to to rotate our occasionals in with the cores um yeah. so yeah we've, we've got some new beers yeah. coming out and new beers generally come with events obviously there's been no events this year so sometimes if you're doing a tap takeover or there's a beer festival you go you know we'll, we'll do a new beer we'll launch at the tap takeover or at the festival so you know we, we always like to do that and if it's a if it's a pub or whatever we try and get them involved um like azili which is our core beer now was originally brewed with the crowd on kettle in manchester um it was for mickey uh, beardless beer beardless week, beer week yeah. um so again it's, it's an annual thing the crown and kettle do um she gave us the brief of a nice you know low abv pale ale and literally, we can't keep up with it now. People get a cob on in the tap room if we haven't got it on. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was actually chosen as one of the beers for Cascale Week. They were doing yeah. beers for the, the length of the week that uh, it was on, and Azili was chosen of Cast Beer Day yeah. as well, which was great. I say it is, it is a lovely pair to, to citrus pale. When you talk about your beers, you, you obviously reference cask beer a lot. And certainly every one of your beers that, that, that I've tried in small packing cans, every time I've drunk one, I'm like, that's really delicious. Yeah. But I bet that's amazing <laughs> on cask. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is as well, with the all our beers is, is naturally conditioned. So even the cans are can conditions. So I think it does park back to probably being... Uh, heritage of Caspia, even sort of the the IPAs we do, you can still yeah see them being on on cask. So the carbonation is always quite light with them. We don't overcarb anything. So we like to think you know it, it's sympathetic, shall we say, to 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 the style, but it'll work in any. It'll work in a can. It'll work in a keg. It'll work in cask. Because uh, when we do brew, we generally split. The batch into whether it be cask keg, cask keg can or whatever it may be. So there's the same beer. We don't treat it any differently. It just goes into into each package yeah. as as we see fit at the time. And we have pubs and bars that don't actually do uh, keg beer. They're just cask only. Um, so no matter what the beer is, even when I brewed Nightingale, which was the beer for International Women's Day. Um, you know, that went into cask as well because those pubs mm. asked for it. You know, yeah. we've done a culture, we've put that into the cask because they've said, what are you brewing? We've said, yeah, and we go, right, yeah. okay, you can have and, it. And, and even the lager we do, we, we, put that into, we put some of that into cask. Yeah, and it went very well, actually. Oh, so yeah. now, now I just want to be at a pub drinking <laughs> cask, cask lager and cask colch. <laughs> yeah. Well, going back to what you said, Steve, about it being very drinkable, that's what we want our beers to be. That's what we are known for. We want to be known for uh, is 
as I say, beer, that, that's beer. Yeah. Um, and that's drinkable, that you will have one pint, irrespective of what method it's dispensed. And you'll go, do you know what? I enjoyed that. I'm going to have another. Um, and, you know, that's what we're about as yeah. well. We're not into doing the, you know, big pastry stouts all the time, juicy, you know, uh, bombs and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, we do change things up and we do different styles of beer. Other people do that and that, that's fine. Let them get on. That's what they want to do. But this is what we want mm. to do. Uh, and we're more than happy. I know, and I will say that some people probably think that our beer is boring. Well, that, that's fine. That, that's up to them because it's not singing juice all the time and fruit. But, you know, you can go in, as I say, and you can drink it more than once. And the majority of people you want drinking the beer aren't necessarily, you, you know, if they use the words beer nerds. Crafty mm. people, it's your general folk, Joe Bloggs, who comes out of work and yeah. wants a couple of pints at six o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's what we do. There's enough breweries that yeah. do all the stuff. I, so I, there's room for all. I think the industry as a whole suffers from the what's next sort of mentality. Um, and and we have pubs and you go, yeah, I mean, I think every brewery again can say the same thing. They go, we'll sell a cask of mosaic. How did it go? Oh, it was brilliant. Do you want another one? No, what else have you got? And I think that is to some degree... Um, well, it's fueling, it, it, it's, it? it's, it's, fueling it's an issue with it. the industry because you've got to keep... It, it, when pubs start doing it, that's the worst thing. The individuals will go, oh, what's next? What's next? But when the pubs do it, that's a bit more of a, an issue, I think. Because you've then got to think, I've got to do another new beer next week. I've got to do another new beer next week. I've got to, to satisfy this demand. And to some degree, um, you're not going to do an output of a new beer every week. A, make it radically different from the one you did the week before. And then sometimes as well, the quality won't be there because you've not sort of had the time to consider this beer. Whereas, I mean, like single-handed sale we're drinking now, I think it was a month in my head before it actually went into, in, into production. So I didn't have to think, oh God, I've got to produce this next week. It was like, you know what, I'm going to go, right, what hop will work with what? And, you know, you don't get that with the what's next sort of culture, I think. Having said that, you know, there are breweries that brew a lot of, oh, yeah. of new beers on a regular basis, whether it be weekly or monthly, yeah. and, it, and it works for, for them. Mm. And that's fine. But as I say, it's yeah. just not what we, and we stand by what we want. You know, bloody hell, one of the beers we're going to have in a minute is our first double dry hopped IPA. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, double dry hop, people probably brewing that about a year ago. <laughs> this is really I, think it's, I think it's a good point, though. I mean, I remember listening to, talking to Sam Brooks down here in London, and they said getting on a bar wasn't always the hardest bit. It was staying. Yeah. Because of that, started that culture um, about what's the next beer and stuff. Um, for me, uh, and Steve probably agrees as well, we like it when a brewery has a core range. We like it when a brewery nails a core range, more importantly. Yeah. And also, does it well. Nails it, does it well, puts it out there. And, you know, there are some pubs that I love go, going to because I know that they're going to have a particular beer on from a particular brewery that I've had before that I've really enjoyed. I don't always want, don't get me wrong, 
if there's enough taps, I don't mind a special, a new one being on, but one of the best things about going to maybe your favourite kind of venue is that, ah, oh, they had this last time. I hope they've got it on again. Mm. Yeah. I think the what's next thing works better with cans, for sure. Because, you know, we're such, when you're drinking at home, it's a different culture. So you might be drinking at home to try something different. Whereas, yeah, when you go to the pub, you go to your local, you, you know, you meet your same friends and you'll see, yeah, you'll see the beer that you like and go, great, I'll have that. And, you know, to some degree, if you're around with a group of friends and you go, what do you want? You go, oh, we'll have to say it again. It's easy when you're in company. I think when you say, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, the what's next thing, you know, it, it's not, it's not, it, it does uh, it's exciting. It does fuel. It does fuel the industry at the same time because obviously there's a lot of creativity and and you know sorts of people pushing boundaries and you know let's face it, a lot of them do it really really well and you know I would see something and go oh god I've not had that before I'll have a go at that but at the same time yeah it's nice to just go oh old favourites like if you're in the lakes you want a Lakeland pale ale you don't want to be going oh look there's a sour on I'm sat by the fire drinking this sour <laughs> well, it's sort of, again it's the it's venue not necessarily in. too some people may like to well, sit I by don't. the fire and drink sour I don't <laughs> you do you don't like sour I don't like anyway. sour anyway so <laughs> <laughs> Steve a soulmate for you excellent yeah <laughs> <laughs> I found another one that doesn't like sour it's brilliant um, I, I think I think some of this though also comes down to you, you folks clearly know your market. You, you you clearly know what your drinkers want to drink, and and you clearly know what the venues that you sell to want to sell their drinkers as 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 well. That that speaks volumes, and obviously that must be again where you've you've come from a background of living in the community and, and then understanding what that community likes in terms of its drinks, that that's allowed you to tailor your approach to what you're producing for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair comment. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're beers that you'd want to drink if you went into a pub. Yeah. Yeah. I say we don't always brew exactly what we always <coughs> want, want to, dr to drink ourselves mm. because we're not catering as such for us. We're catering for, you know, our customers and, yeah. and the, the pub. At the end of the day, we know whether that beer has done well by we get another reorder of that beer. It may not be the following week, but it may be a couple of weeks later and they say, yeah, I'll have two casks mm. of that and, and so on. So we know that, it, you know, that it's gone well. Um, but, you know, everybody has a different palate, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, and what one person likes, another person dislikes. So, yeah. It, it has been great to see that you've been able to transact, transition to the small pack and, and, and to, to still get your product out there. Because as, as we've mentioned a, a few times, it's been a different, difficult year so, yeah. so far. Um, and obviously, you know, as a brewery, operating during this time must have been... I don't think tough even begins to de describe how it must have been for, for you folks. When it, well, when COVID hit, I say it's more um, poignant in my mind. Um, the 20th of March was the day that my dad passed away suddenly. And that was the day that Boris Johnson got on the telly and said, right, we suggest no one goes into a pub because we're closing them all and everything. So it was like a, a double whammy, if you like, um, a, a emotional upset and then dealing obviously with, oh, shit. 
what are we going to do financially? Um, so that was a massive worry as well. But then the two of us sat down and thought, right, okay, what are we going to do about this? And it gave us breathing time, didn't it? Yeah. To, to think how we were going to operate um, within the, the boundaries that were, were put to us that, mm. you know, getting beer out to, to people one way or the yeah. other. The, the first few weeks, we, we, we literally didn't do anything. We didn't know what was going to happen, whether it was just going to be short term, whether it was going to be, you know, as it turns out, you know, sort of eight, nine months now. Um, we took the time to just do some stuff in the brewery, you know, change the tap room around, built a new bar in the tap room. And so it gave us a little bit of time to do that. And then it was like, okay, we've actually got to sort of start taking some money again now. Um, luckily for us, you know, the tap room wanted they had an off license. So, Although a lot of breweries had to go through the, the rigmarole of, you know, getting an off license, going through the council, and a lot of them had a lot of trouble doing it. We were lucky enough to be able to still sell beer. So we've had, we, we basically adapted as, as we saw fit. So beer into milk cartons out the door, you know, on a Friday and a Saturday initially. Soul destroying putting your beer into a milk carton, but, you know, needs must. And then obviously cans as well, you know, we sort of, um, we started again up in the production of cans so you know instead of doing sort of 1,000 cans of batch we were doing sort of 3,000 cans of batch and stuff like that because there was no draft and then and then the the, mini cask. the advent of the mini cask which became Vogue for the summer um, so we've just I think us as well as everybody else has just adapted the best we can yeah. um, and we were in the fortunate position as I say we didn't have to alter any of our license and we could just you know go straight in and do it um so we're doing deliveries as well you know it wasn't just people initially it was deliveries out um instead of people coming to to the tap room for takeout Mm -hmm. we were doing deliveries to to people um because by you know it was like sort of april may and a lot of people were still either shielding or worried about how it was going and it was only when it sort of eased a bit and they said you can actually start doing you know, take house if you've got a tap room, you know, like obviously bottle shops could do, but then we opened the tap room mm. and um, it proved wonderfully successful, I'm glad to say, yeah. and, it, and it still does. We still do that. Yeah. And you've still, still been able to do that because obviously you've been in much stricter restrictions in in, in Merseyside. You've still been able to offer those takeouts through the tap room during that time. Three, tier three. We were, we were put in, um, and then there was the big hoo-ha originally, wasn't there, where you couldn't sell any alcohol, um, and then there was a massive push by many breweries, Siba as well, um, camera saying, you know, this is just bloody ridiculous, how are you expecting breweries to, to survive? Um, and then, thankfully, some common bloody yeah. sense, you know, came into the picture, and we could do take out so that's what we we mm. did as i say we set up the tap room where people could literally just step in the front door and that was as far as they, they get uh, les and i were wearing masks anyway mm. even before it became compulsory because it's important of our health and safety because when anything happens to us because we're the main people in the brewery then it's shut down for the brewery um hand gel on the door so even they're contactless so everything like that was put in place even before Johnson decided that's what must happen. Uh, and we had people, you know, coming and they were, they were lining up and 
collecting, you know, take out cans and the casks. And has it been nice to be able to see, still see all those punters turn up to buy the takeout beers, to buy the cans? But it, it, yeah. it must give you a bit of a glow that people are still willing to go out of their way to support you. Yeah, I mean, for sure. People initially throughout the summer when it was quite busy at times, even though it was, it was great, it was literally like, hi, how are you? Everything okay? Thanks very much. But even then, it was just nice to see another face and have a conversation. Um, when the pubs did reopen, we did open the tap room, I think, for about four weeks, but just on a Saturday uh, with, obviously, the social distance and um, things service. in place with the table service. And that felt okay. It was nice. We'd actually have longer conversations with people. Uh, but, yeah, we're very grateful. for. We have a, we have a sort of a, a core range of... A core... I say core range. That like a <laughs> core range. <laughs> 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 we have, we have a, 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 good, a good group of people, a community of people who come pretty much every week and support us. Um, yeah, we're, we're eternally grateful for that because, you know, they'll come in every week and go, yeah, well, I've two pints of that, two pints of that, and give me six cans. Mm. And it's like really good and it, it, it has and but actually just making sure and we've actually got to learn a lot of people's names now whereas when you just serve over the over the bar you're like oh yeah you okay thanks and that's it whereas now we're having conversations with them even if it's only for two minutes but they'll go or they'll, or they'll ring up and go hi it's brian you know i'm coming down for you know can you put it aside for me so we've actually got to know a lot more people's names which is which is nice as well we've had a lot of new people as well which has been fantastic by word of mouth or from social media, and mm. um, people that didn't know that the, the tap room was there. Say when we started the brewery, we didn't want anyone to know where we were because we were that busy brewing and sending beer out mm. that you know we couldn't have people just turning up and, and wanting beer. It was only when the tap room opened May 2019 we started shouting about it more. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that that, that people won't keep enjoying your beer because as, as I think we've said a number of times already, your, your beers are really delicious. They're really tasty to the point where mine's finished the, <laughs> the, the, the single-handed sailor uh, yeah. went quicker than anticipated. I, I, I think um, just really, really drinkable. Just you, you could, you could sit yeah. and just drink that all afternoon and at, at the ABV um, that that's going to help you to have quite a nice session on that. And any final thoughts on, on, on the single-handed sailor, mate? Mine only lasted because I forced myself to la make it last. That, that was a five-minute drink, that one, almost. Um, <laughs> it's, it, you're right. It, uh, a beer garden, a barbecue, that sort of lighter weather. Yeah, it's, it's definitely pintable. Pints are achievable, as was quoted on our show a few, few show episodes ago. Well, we're going to take a step up now to, to something that's got a slightly higher ABV. Again, I'm not going to even begin to start describing what, what we're pouring here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave that to our guests to tell us what, what we're enjoying for beer number two. Okay, um, this one's a, a brand new beer, um, which we've never done before. Also a style that we've never done before. I believe these cool kids call it a double dry hopped IPA. So, you know, we're sort of, you know, we're on the curve of fashion with this one as far as Neptune goes. Um, I think I think the next one we're going to do is one of these, what's it called, a brew type here. I think that's next on the line for us. I think that's what the kids are drinking nowadays. Uh, but anyway, in all seriousness, this is the first double dry hot IPA we've done. 
Um, so pale blue oceans are 6.5%, um, brewed with citra and mosaic hops. Um, mosaic's probably my favorite hop to use. Um, and I think it blends really well with, with citra. So <clears throat> obviously you're getting all the, 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 the sort of citrusy grapefruity notes from the citra and mixed with the mosaic, sort of the mosaic lifts it up with the sort of the, a bit more soft, fruity blueberry, you know, flavors and aromas. And then obviously, you know, the combination of which gives you, I think a really sort of flavorsome aromatic beer um, with quite a sticky sort of resinous finish, with sort of a touch of pine on the end there as well. I'm I'm salivating here. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't wait anymore. I, I, I need to dive into this. Yeah, Cheers. Going in. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, you, you two just talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to just carry on drinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm out as well. I've I've got nothing else to say. That is um, that is proper tasty. It's properly dangerous at six and a half percent as well. Yeah, that is ticking a lot of boxes for me. Um, as, as as you say, Les, it's it's got all of those kind of big citrusy flavours that you're looking for, but they're so well rounded, they're so balanced out um, that they come across as just being really smooth. They're really there, and then you do get just that little bit of resiny stickiness towards yeah. the end, and then it deli- delivers this beautifully soft but dangerously deceptive bitter finish to it that literally does that thing where it just pulls you back in for another gulp yeah. because you want to try it again. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. Um, I'm really pleased with the way it's come out. This is one of those um, beers, as I said, normally we don't can any of the first ones because we generally put it out into, into draft. We'll go out, we'll drink it, we'll drink it in the tap room and go, right, is that good? Is it nice? Is it whatever else? Can we tweak it? Uh, this one's the equivalence of what we used to call a straight to DVD when the film was bad. It could have been straight to DVD because <laughs> it's straight to can um, without us sort of tweaking it as we as we think necessary. But you know, it's turned out really well. Um, so the majority of this went into cans. We've done a couple of kegs of it just for sort of the tap room and stuff like that. But it all went into can, and yeah, it's worked out really nicely. I don't think there's any tweaking necessary, oh, Martin. No. What What are you thinking on this one? I wouldn't tweak it. I mean, we, we, me and Steve had privately wondered if Mosaic and or Citra were favourite hops, given the prevalence of Mosaic in a number of the beers. Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, they are two of my favourite hops anyway. So the more you described it, the more I did want to dive in. Wasn't disappointed. As Steve has summed it all up, but 6.5%. Versus the other one of four point two, I could seriously do myself a lot of damage because I would get stuck into that six point five, and I don't know if I'd come off it. <laughs> it's, it's it's danger juice, isn't it? It re- it really is. It's not it's not drinking the ABV at all. It's it's just so soft and and, and easy to I drink. Think that's but... good in some respect. That yeah, as a six point five, it is easy drinking. It, you know, you're not feeling that alcohol being or anything like that. Yeah. It's very well balanced. But at the same time, there's that, you know, oh crap, you know, I've drank too much and it's too mm. late. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. Crack on, Steve, because this beer ain't lasting. 
I was just about to say this is we're in danger territory here in <laughs> before we even get to the news. So we better crack on and, and, and get through this week's news. So, so first up is, is obviously the announcement today on the day of recording um, as to what happens when we come out of this current lockdown period that we're in. And um, obviously certain restrictions are ending. Others are being lifted. Others are being tweaked. But all of that seems to come at a massive cost to, to hospitality and, and in particular pubs, because it would appear that as we come out of this, if any region that's not in tier one and isn't a pub that essentially serves food, pubs aren't going to be able to open yeah. from, from what I, I understand. Hospitality is bloody well and truly being thrown under the bus. And it just makes me furious, to be honest, Steve, just bloody thinking about it, that, you know, there's a hell of a lot of um, people who poured thousands of pounds into their pubs and bars um, to be able to support getting staff in. And they've done it so well. You know, we've travelled around at many when we could of the Mersey Patside pubs to support them as punters as well and see how well that they've put in the, the restrictions. Mm. And they were just brilliant, you know, doing everything that they should have done. And then to get told, well, actually, no, you're not good enough. Yeah. You're going to have to to shut. And, you know, just the, the places that can sell, you know, food as well as alcohol can, can open up. You know, that includes us. The tap room, we don't do, you know, food as such. We do snacks. But it's not substantial meal, and it's just appalling, absolutely mm. appalling. There's no support for us at all. You know what's the bloody difference? You know, just because you eat a substantial means that mean COVID holds off and goes, oh, hang on, boys. You know they're having a meal. Let's wait until they're finished, and then we'll come back. It's it's just. Oh. I just, I, I absolutely get what, what you're saying there, there, there Julian. I 100% agree with it. I don't, I don't understand the rationale between, um, behind some of the decisions that have been made here. But there was, there was one tweet that I saw earlier today. It did, did actually make me think about the, the partic in particular, the substantial meal um, restriction. Is, is, that, is, is that there kind of almost to, to stop pub crawls? and to stop people from visiting lots of different pubs in one evening, because you're unlikely to go to a pub and have a substantial meal and then move on to another pub and have another substantial meal and then move on and on and on. So is, is, is that their reasoning behind it? Or, or is it that they've, they've just got their heads so far buried in the sand that, and, and they're not taking notice of any of the data or any of the scientific research that sits behind it, I just I, I I don't understand where their thinking's at at with this, and I'm and I'm sitting here and I'm looking at Martin holding his face, and I think I'm about to unleash a beast here. I don't know about heads in the sand, mate, but heads up their ass. Um, I saw I saw that tweet as well, and I think it had a point, but there is a very large section of the, of the population who don't do pub crawls, um, who live in places which maybe only have one pub. So, and that pub may not necessarily be a food-led pub, um, especially a lot of these community-bought and community-owned pubs. Um, I think a large part of it is just down to the fact that the people in government probably don't really know what a wet-led pub is. 
mm. a lot of the time. They don't know the significance of it. They don't know how people operate in it. A lot of the options of doing crawls or going between ve- in, in between venues has sort of been nullified a lot of the time anyway. Yeah. And there's enough people who have been taking the piss during this second lot of restrictions anyway. Um, and you're, you're, you're quite right, Julie. Hospitality has been by far and away the biggest uh, thrown under the bus uh, yeah. industry. Yeah, you know, for, closely followed by the industry, Steve works in leisure. And going back to what you said, that the data really hasn't supported any of those decisions. Yeah. You know, if you were going to go on data, you'd be shutting down schools, universities and supermarkets. Yeah. Oh, if it was data-led. I, I, and just for clarity, I'm not advocating any of that. But that's what you would do if you were truly following the data. When the thing, the thing with the supermarket, you don't have to track and trace in the supermarket. It's that's, 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 I, I can't it? understand that. Yeah, I literally I, cannot I understand that. I can spend longer in a supermarket sometimes than I do when I go for a pint. Yeah, every pub or restaurant you go into, the, you know, before you even cross the threshold, there's a thing to scan and there's a thing to, to, to do your hands. Yeah, and, and, you've probably, they, and, and you've booked as well, probably. Yeah, and then they tell you where to sit and you can't move unless you want to wee. And that's yeah. it. Whereas a supermarket, you can just roam around willy-nilly. Touching everything. Picking stuff up, putting it back down. And, oh, I don't want that one anymore. And you put it back. And, but no one even knows you've been there. I haven't quite fully digested all of the restrictions. And I'm not sure they're all completely clear to everyone. But I guess you guys know in Merseyside, you won't be entering the lowest no, absolutely tier. No. So yeah, absolutely. I, I can foresee us being in the one we were in beforehand, yeah. which is the substantial meal i think that's the best we can hope for um, and we're not we're not actually going to find out until thursday th- th- this, th- this week so that in in effect as as a business is is only going to give you a week's notice yeah. in in, in terms of setting yourself up again mm-hmm. yeah if you're a pub who has cask beer then you've got to order that beer. You've got to let it uh, settle. You know, any yeah. good seller person will do that. And, you know, it takes over a week by the time you've ordered it. It's been delivered. Yeah. You know, they haven't got a bloody clip. And it's just even the same with the restaurant. The restaurant's still going to then order all of the raw ingredients and yeah. do everything else. And it's, it's, it is. I don't think whoever is the decided hospitality was the devil has, you know, obviously never... You know, sort of been behind the scenes in the business. You know, it's you know. I say we talk about hospitality, and I I say this a, a lot as well. We both do on social media. Hospitality is our bread and butter. The pubs, the bars, the bottle shops, but it's not just them. It's the people who also supply the supply chain as well. It's the breweries as well who the likes of us that you know it's causing issues for. It's people who supply you know, simple things like maybe the, the hand wipes for the toilets, it's the people who clean the pubs, the domestics and things like that. There's the whole kit and caboodle of everything yeah. that goes with hospitality, that when they're putting the, the clamp down, that affects so many mm. more people. I think I just tweet today, I said it, was, I think it, was a, it does affect about a million people in this yeah. country, you know, and that's, you know, that's quite a, a large number who are basically going from day to day wondering whether they're going to be able to go to work the next day. Yeah, and it's not the, the hot, most highest paid industry in the, in the oh, best yeah. of times. 
So to then be told you're getting, uh, I think someone also mentioned that, especially for waiting staff, that, you know, their take home money includes tips. Yeah. Your, fur- your furlough schemes and such like don't cover that. It covers your base mm. basic salary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all of this obviously comes at a time when um, the, the, the industry in itself is, is struggling anyway, um, yeah. which has been highlighted recently on what I personally think is, is one of the best BBC TV series that they've, they've ever put, put out, which is the Saving Britain's Pub series with, yeah. with, with Tom Kerridge that, that has yeah. been airing recently. Yeah. Um, I know as a point of recording, we're, we're only two episodes into that. But yeah. what it's doing is it's, it's really highlighting the, the, the plight of, of some pubs and bars and the restrictions that they struggle to operate under when they're in the, 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 the tide system. But... Yeah there's some absolute heartbreaking television in there coming because I think as we left it on at the end of episode two, particularly the pub in that, that pub in that small village in Cornwall that were planning yeah, that, that, that their grand reopening on the, the, the night of lockdown starting. I, I just think there's, there's some real tough scenes coming in that, that, that program. Um, yeah. I'm sure we've all got our views on, on, on what we've been seeing. Um, Julie, Liz, I, I take it you've been keeping up to date with, with yeah, that. yeah, we've been watching each um, episode yeah. as it as it's been airing, and it's great as you say that Tom Carriage, he's got a couple of pubs himself on the tide, he said so, but he's obviously doing all right with who with Green King who he's with, um, but there's not there's some that certainly aren't doing as well under those pub codes. There's some disgusting yeah. behaviour that's that's going on and treatment by uh, pub co's, uh, that at least it's put in a spotlight. But it's also interesting to find that how people are managing their their pubs as well. The lady who's got the pub in London, I can't remember, um, and the guys that come to play the... Oh, Nunhead. Yeah, the one in Nunhead. And I was just flabbergasted, and that doesn't happen often, that... um, (laughs) There was no, <laughs> there was no beer on the bar. Yeah. There was no hand pumps. There was no taps or anything. And I was like, how do people know what they can drink? How do you know what you're safe? And people, yeah. if they look through the window, go, what's on? Do you know what I mean? And I was a truly sort of speechless yeah. that a pub could be run like that for years without. And, you know, lovely for her that she thinks about the people who played the dominoes, but they, they were one or two pints for about four hours. You know, that can't pay a bills. Yeah, I, I got the feeling that some of those dominoes players were simply taking the piss. Oh, yeah. absolutely. The, the, oh, yeah. The, the fella that ordered, uh, oh, I have my pint of beer and then I drink water all night. It's, it's like, so yeah. you're, in, you're in this place, like, like you say, probably for four or five hours, and you've spent probably four pounds. Yeah. You're you're taking the piss, mate. Out yeah, no support for her at all. Yeah. She's allowing you to come in and to play dominoes with your friends, but you're not supporting her in any yeah. other way. Oh my! I was just my eyes were popping out. My head. Never mind what yeah. I was saying. Yeah, it's been it's been a real a real eye yeah, opener. It has been an eye opener. I mean, I have to admit, when I was first watching that bit, I was I hadn't quite clocked what I was looking at was wrong, and then when Tom said beer tap, thought. Yeah, there is no taps. I can't actually see any beer yeah. when I come into the pub. 
Um, it was all in the other room, wasn't it? They had another yeah. bar in the other room with, with, with like, I think, Guinness. And yeah, but that's the one they didn't really use much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was <laughs> really weird. The one thing I found a little bit disappointing was, with, with that was when, when she did put taps in, that they, they made a big point about it being from a craft brewery, and, and yet this brewery was in West Sussex. Yeah. And I'm like, hang on a minute, where you're based, you've got maybe three or four <laughs> amazing breweries on your doorstep. Yeah. Why haven't you gone to any of them? I think, yeah, I think the, yeah, the, the tearjerker is still to come. Um, oh, absolutely. But, you know, the, this week's the, one. The, the couple who run the pub, um, which is the live music venue, and the couple who've been doing all that work in the pub to open up so you can see that wonderful view out the back. Um, that, that was quite, quite tough watching that bit, I have yeah. to admit, because we're watching it knowing exactly what's coming yeah. and what, what yeah. happens next. Oh, yeah, you saw the seat. Yeah, saw the, sort of, the, end, the end's been spoiled, hasn't it? To some degree, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a surprise. You know it's going to be... But I think it's been done very sympathetically by Tom because I wasn't sure we, how we would go, um, given you know, his background with food and stuff. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like he had any agenda with the with the food no. side of things at all. Yeah. No. The literally... one thing I would have liked though is for him to grill the guy who we met and he was talking about. Oh, it was from punch. the poker. Was it punch? Yeah. I would have liked to have him grilled a little bit more. <laughs> I think you need panorama for that, Julie. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> that's going to be Tom's bag. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people said that though. I, I certainly saw a lot of commentary straight after that yeah. that second episode and on on Twitter the next day of people saying he went a bit easy on him. But I, you, you kind of look at that interview and you think that they've obviously cut out just the best bits yeah. of, of of that interview. And I, I would I would like to see the whole interview, you know, and and, yeah. and to see whether he does get into it. I would I would argue. So, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say. I think that he got what he needed from the interview, yeah, which was the buy-in for the what pub he was talking. It's a bit like um, other consumer programs, when you know someone's been trying for a year to get hold of the customer services person to get something sorted, BBC Watchdog phone up, and suddenly there's a bit of progress taking place. That's what I was going to say. If it wasn't on the TV. Would Punch be going to that place? Because you saw at the end, they're going, oh, yeah, we can put this carpet here, we can do this. Would they have done that without it being on the telly? No. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, no, they were on the TV. Tom already had a relationship with the guy, one of the top guys, and it gives them a little bit, let's face it, especially a company like Punch. Yeah. Um, they look good, doesn't they? Yeah. yeah. Well, the one good thing it has highlighted with the, is the beer type, which a lot of people, when they buy a pint, they don't understand. They just get a pint. It may be. It may make people think: Is this pub making any money? You know, we've got the the, the Roscoe Head in Liverpool. Just Carol's just finally, after many many years of battle, actually managed to buy the freehold of a pub, and she can now buy beer off whom she likes when she likes, and hopefully she'll start making some decent money. Yeah. Which is what a lot of pub co tied pubs don't do. Them two people in Gloucester, man. Did you say seventy-five quid a week each? Mm. Yeah, and it's so nothing. No, and no. you know the working. You know, let's face it. We know people in pubs work. You know, twelve, fourteen-hour days most of the time. So, well, your pub becomes your life, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're, so, you're, it becomes your social life, your work life, your rest life, whatever it might be. Yeah. I, I, like I said, what I've enjoyed about it, and I think this is where probably general, general public people who are maybe less invested in pub scenes is the personal stories behind it. The fact that, like you say, 
they've sat there and said, well, we pay ourselves 75 pounds a week. That in itself will get people's attention, hopefully. I'm looking forward to seeing episodes three and four, but with just that slight bit of trepidation as well. Yeah, agree. And, and like I say, it's, it's, it's great viewing and it's, it's emotional stuff at, at, at times. And as, as you say, it's on, it's on every Thursday evening, eight o'clock BBC Two, or probably also available on iPlayer as, as well, if you do want to check that out. Now, just to finish off this week's news on, on a slightly lighter note, just want to wish um, the Hop Hideout in Sheffield a very happy seventh birthday. Jules was a guest on, on the show back in the summer, and it's great to see that they've, I think they've just finished doing a weekend of celebrations which yeah. i think julie you guys were involved in weren't you we were yeah jules is is lovely she's done some amazing stuff with pop eyes out and um you, you know she works so many god knows how many hours as well so yeah it was fantastic to see she did a number of different events over the weekend and the one um that les was in well you watched it was the uh, yeah. St Mars wasn't it? They did a burning tour with St Mars of the Desert uh, which was it was really interesting, it was, it was really interesting to see how you know how they're, how they're going along and then there was a bit of a Q&A session at the end of that with uh, Dan and Martha and then we were both involved in the uh, Pete Brown's got a new book coming out um, with regards to um, marketing and labels and designs and things um, and we thank you know we're very grateful Pete's put some stuff in about our labels as well so our, one of our beers um, which Abyss funny enough the, the oatmeal stout was in the, the cans as well so there was a little bit of a five minute chat about our labels mm. and as we said earlier on you know about the, the, why do we have the type of labels we do and, and so on so but no it was great it was really yeah. good you know sessions as i say it was made up for for jill seven seven years i've um accidentally finished my double <laughs> uh martin thoughts on on on, on this way the, the, the too way too, way too easy a drink at six and a half percent um I think what you've brought out of both those hops and the balance between them has been is fantastic. I think Steve was fairly very accurate earlier when he said it's that sort of end to the beer which just makes you want to go back in again, and that's what it's done every time. As soon as you finish it, and it's got quite a long-lasting finish, but it's that long-lasting finish that you feel I need to put some more on it. I need to have some more. Um, and I would argue that that can probably was devoured a bit quicker than the first one as well. Very much so. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed drinking that. Um, normally, I tend to veer away from anything that has the letters DDH on it because I've, I've, I've got to a point where I've started to associate that with New England styles. And Merc. Sticky, Merc. Sticky sweet and cloying and... That was none of that. It was uh, it was fresh. It was citrusy. It was full of these lovely sticky resinous notes, um, and it just finished so beautifully. That that that's just an incredible beer. That's that that's really really good. Thank you so much. Yeah, for, thank you very for much. Sending that down to to, to let us you. try it. Moving on to our third beer of, of this evening, maybe a little bit earlier than we expected. <laughs> the second beer went down far too easy. Um, Les, tell us what we're drinking this time. Okay, this time you've got 
Abyss, which is one of our core beers. Um, it's a oatmeal stout. Um, what we class probably as a traditional beer, traditional stout. There's no, there's nothing in it. It's um, there's no adjuncts. There's no lactose. There's no, you know, cacao or anything like that. Um, so it's a beer we've done pretty much from year year one. It did start off as a home brew uh, before we started. So this is one that made its way into production and has stood the test of time. It's actually won a couple of camera beer at the festival awards. Yeah, it's just a really nice, nice, nice stout. Um, it's got the smooth mouthfeel you'd expect from an oatmeal stout. Uh, it's actually triple oated, which is you know something that we should put on the tin really. So there's three types of oats in there. We've got malted oats, we've got flaked oats, and we've got golden naked oats. So triple oated oatmeal stout. Get us three oats. Hey, that might be, that's, a, that's a new style. <laughs> He's just invented something right there, haven't you? Triple oated oatmeal stout. Let's, uh, let's dive into this. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, disclaimer for me, after the last time we had the beers on the show, I did order some of this anyway. So Steve, this is your first time? Yeah. That's that's delicious. That is it's uh, it's creamy, smooth. Um, you do get just a just a, a subtle roastedness at the beginning, which builds as as you go through it. It finishes quite soft. There's 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 not a huge roasted bitter finish on it, but there's there's enough. Um, I'd say of the kind of dark chocolate characteristics knocking around in the background, just just to really tickle the the, the tongue there. It's it's absolutely delicious. It's there's a little uh, bit of dryness, isn't there? Yeah, and and again for five percent, uh, it's it's one that you could actually do a few of these quite easily. It's 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 a really 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 good stout. It's, it's and it's exactly what I love from a stout as well. It's got none of those adjuncts in it that are sometimes completely unnecessary for first well apart from all of the oats um that, that you put into it but um it's no it's just it's just a straight up good old-fashioned traditional stout because because that has got a mouthfeel of a beer that's maybe eight nine ten percent but it isn't it's it's yeah. a five percent oatmeal stout yes again again um we sent some over to a brewer friend of ours and he, he actually messaged me and said this does have the body of a an imperial stout. So it's like, eh, okay, thanks for that. It was like a nice compliment, you know, we paid yeah, yeah, it. Obviously it tasted heavier than it actually was. Yeah, I'm sure it was meant as a compliment because Steve's yeah. right. It has got that body to it, um, which you don't always get with a five percent and I don't mind the odd pastry stout here and there. Um, I think lactose gets overused. Mm. Um, uh, but to get a, I'd like to say straight up, but you've obviously described the amount of different types of oats you put in there. But for me, this is the kind of stout that I want to have. It's also the kind of stout I'd return to, whereas rarely do I return to a pastry type stout. Mm. I might have it the once. Yeah. Maybe I might really like it. But chances are I'm not going to have a second one. Yeah, yeah. Mm. a so, bit is brilliant on cask. It is absolutely superb. This is one of my favourite beers that that we brew because it is got such lovely flavour. The yeah. aroma is great as well. So easy drinking, as I say, and an on cask pour and it's seen a settle that nice sort of mm. creamy mm. coffee colour. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> we're back. We're back in the pub again. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. is. This is a on, on, on cask. 
This is a, a, an afternoon lost, sat in the corner of a pub or your tap room, five or six pints deep of, of, of this without even thinking about it. This, this must be absolutely wonderful on cask. Yeah. It is. It's, and I think it's the one beer that we've done, I think, which has stood the test of time, if you like, when we start. Because obviously when, we, when you start, you sort of experiment with different beers and styles and whatever else. But this is the one that's seen basically us through every year uh, since we started as well. Uh, as I say, it started off as a homebrew and um, has managed to survive till now. And I can't see us not ever not brewing a bit. So, quick question. Um, your tap room has, because a lot of tap rooms tend to avoid, a lot of them don't always have cask. Yeah. <laughs> but presumably, all your, you do have all your beers on the cask available. No, we have two, two cask and we have six on keg. We only open um, Friday night and Saturday, so oh, we, wouldn't have, we, yeah. we wouldn't have. If we were open longer, we'd have we'd have more cask. Uh, but we have the two on, and that just sees us through those two days. You, you, you know what, mate? We 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 better crack on with the rest of the show, otherwise this beer is going the way of the other two. <laughs> um, so let's let's get into this week's questions. Opinions, 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 opinions. Opinions. First up in the uh, the poll that we're not going to feature this week was the um, what some people called the, the most devilish question that we've ever asked. And this was courtesy of Pete McCary, who simply asked the uh, question, if you could only have one forevermore, would it be beer or cheese? Now, we had 630 people vote on that. 82% of people went for beer and 18% of people went for cheese. There, there were some quite good justifications in, in there. Um, I think I probably would be on the same wavelength as most people that voted there, and I would be uh, definitely a beer person rather than cheese. Yeah, I feel like I can, as much as I miss cheese, I can replace cheese. I'm not sure I can replace beer. Yeah, exactly. Um, but let's move on to this week's main poll, which is, uh, are you more likely to buy beer from independent producers than you were before lockdowns? Uh, this was from a suggestion by Martin at Martin Trestin, who put this one forward. And we had 612 votes on this poll. 76.8% uh, of people said yes, 23.2% of people said no. Martin himself replied, yes, lockdown has shown more than ever that supporting the brands you care about is vital for their survival. Whilst before I would aim to buy independent, but be of the opinion that good beer is good beer regardless, now I'm keen to buy independent more than ever. It's followed up by Simon Walkden at Mezzy Mixer. It's made me lot more likely to buy any products from independent producers and retails. Too easy to be lazy and to default to supermarkets and Amazon, but there is a real joy from buying from people who are passionate about what they do and who will share that passion with you. Uh, from Matt Chinnery at Half Pint Gent. I think this year has made me want to think more about where my penny goes, more so in beer too. I want my contribution to go somewhere I really want to survive, and that has treated staff well over the past months. And then we heard from Sarah Pantry at NGLUK. Lockdowns have seen more producers having to prioritise small pack and move beyond their old regional local sales strategy, opening up easy availability to a wider market and letting me get beer from producers I couldn't before. And we had a similar comment from James at Gammon Barron as well. From Bamba Boozler 
at Gregor underscore J underscore. I never buy macro because I can get better beer from craft producers. And I used to buy the odd beer from supermarkets. However, Domo and Mozza have put me right off with their nonsense. Plus doing all that at a time when Indies need us is most deplorable. And then from Ryan at Ryan likes dippers trying to, Trying to because no one in Tesco ever says to me, Ryan, how are you doing? Good to see you again. From Graham Hughes at Graham H13522058. No idea why, why that's his Twitter handle. <laughs> I preferred independent producers before lockdown. After lockdown, I will hopefully get back to the pub where the beer selection is more limited. And we had similar from Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia. And finally, Cap and Collar at Cap and Collar. Being a neighbourhood bar that set up at an online retail site prior to the first lockdown, I don't think supermarkets are our main competition. I think it's the actually breweries themselves. We'll come to that one in a minute. We'll, 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 we'll ask uh, Julian Les their thoughts on that particular point that was made there. Um, I'm going to start here with, with our views on, on, on this one. You, you have bought a lot of beer in the last nine months, haven't you? Yeah, I thought you were going to say prolific there for a minute. Well, um, it, is, it is prolific, bordering on worrying the amount of beer <laughs> that you've bought. Well, yeah, you know, both me and Michelle are beer lovers, um, and a lot of those beers do get shared as well. So we do get through a few if we're sharing them. But um, if I think to my actual spend and the amount of beer I'm having, I'm probably having much the same as I was before. It's just that my spend was in the city of London probably one of the most expensive places in the UK to spend your your beer pound um but there's been some real good quality out there these days I've rediscovered a few I've discovered a couple of local bottle shops who are so good on their online delivery and online servicing I think the platforms that breweries and online retailers have been using has definitely stepped up as well Um, especially the mobile versions the ones you can use straight from your phone definitely improved um but the beers have been cracking so the beers we're having tonight from neptune the beers we've had in the past from say people like cheshire brew house and brew york so there's been some real quality coming out in small pack from independent brewers now they're not local to me but it seems that it's it's been easier to get hold of these beers now and it gives me a sense of okay i can't travel but the beer can travel to me from places that I would love to go to and places that I have been to before and will revisit again. And, but I have found myself doing sort of comfort drinking. And by that, I don't mean just drinking lots of beer, a bit like bink box sets. I've found myself watching stuff, which just make me feel good, make me feel comfortable. It's not all about what's the next uh, big thing I need to watch on Netflix. What's the next beer I need to order. I quite happily ordered the same beer again. You know, case in point, when I ordered the, the, the beers from Neptune previously, or when I went back to Brew York and ordered, reordered the beer, Big Eagle, sometimes I just want the ones I love. I want the, I, if I'm going to spend money, I want it to be spent well. Much, much like yourself, I, I've, I've tried my best to, to, to support independent in, in the last nine months or so. Um, it, it's been probably slightly different for me in terms of, obviously, I was, I, I've been on furlough probably for eight of those nine months. I got to go back to work for a few weeks and then I was, I was furloughed again. So I've, I've had to watch my spending a little bit more. 
but where wherever possible i've been able to to, to support uh, a small number of breweries i've tried my hardest in those few weeks that that pubs were allowed to be open to to get to the vic as as much as i could and and, and to support them and to spend money in there and and, and also to support the, the, the local bottle shop in, in Colchester two brews as, as, as well with my, with my custom plus doing sort of online orders as well, you, you know, continuing to, to order from, from Sean at Beer Central. So it's, it, for me, it's a case of, of, of making sure I'm, I'm supporting as and when I can rather than as and when I want to, because if, if it was as and when I wanted to, I'd be living in a tent in a field now. <laughs> I, I, think, I don't think I'd have bricks and mortar supporting me. I, re, I really don't. Um, I'm interested to, to, to talk to Les and Julie about this one um, in, in terms of, I, I guess, folks, when you, you're not drinking your own brewery's beer, that, that you do drink other beers as, as, as well. And, and, and I guess that you would very much be supporting other local breweries, local bottle shops, local independents, that sort of thing. Good oh, grief. No, why would we want to do that? <laughs> well, give somebody else, give somebody else your hard earned profit. <laughs> yeah, we, we do. Absolutely. Um, you know, we love to support, um, you know, our local economy as well as, you know, further out. So, in, in lockdown, we've been buying other brewery beers. We've been going into... Place to orders today. Yes, yes, we did. We've not had any by Utopian. Um, so we've ordered some beer by them. And we've also ordered... Hackney. Hackney. We do like Hackney. And uh, we, we do like to visit them when, uh, when we can. They're doing some I, good I, stuff. I think Liverpool's quite criminally under... Under, under source for bottle shops you've got obviously pubs and bars who sell you know cans and bottles but we don't have we've got one which is London on Penny Lane um, which is a distance from us but I, I, I'm not sure they do deliveries and stuff like that but they do turn over a lot of beer but we don't have that bottle shop culture in, in Liverpool anymore um, Any idea why? Because it's a massive area Yeah I don't know I mean say there's, a, there's some of the some of the bars do it, um, but there's I don't know. We had we had one or two, but I don't know whether they went down the wrong route or they started getting the wrong beers or always oh, rent issues. Yeah, no idea. But, but we've never had loads. And as I say, the the ones we did, unfortunately, they've, they've now yeah. gone. So with the exception of well, there's a new one that's just open called Hall. Yeah. Um, which is also well it's not just a bottle shop you can sit it in you can have a, have a drink that's what I'm saying it's not shop. solely a bottle it, shop yeah it's not standalone so I don't know and that's the, the sad thing that in Liverpool there yeah. is not a specific standalone bottle shop that you can go into mm. and buy yeah. your bottles now going back to obviously people buying beer from us we have our online shop, which is great because we can get our beer out to your doorstep. But, you know, from from our point of view, going back to what we said previously, the whole industry needs support. So we'd sooner, say for argument's sake, like Jules at Hop Hideout in Sheffield, she buys our bottles, she buys our cans rather. So we'd much sooner sell them to Jules and then she can sell them on to the local people. So we make a bit of money, Jules makes a bit of money, and you know, the end user in Sheffield gets our beer. 
we as a, as a business we'd much sooner do that than people come directly to us now that sounds a strange thing to say because obviously we'll make more money selling direct but without these bottle shops i think liverpool may well be this might be one of the problems the people just didn't support them um you know because you can buy online because you can buy from you know bigger online retailers that you know it's like the pub if you don't support it you'll lose it if you don't support the bottle shop especially at this time of you know you know when everyone's struggling you, you know you may well lose your lose your local bottle shops as well pubs yeah. and bars and bottle shops are, are our bread and butter and that will not change even even now as last as yet we prefer to sell to them but we don't have enough buying our beers even pubs doing takeouts mm. or bottle shops or whatever. So we've got to support ourselves. So going back to what um, Cap and Collar said, that I can understand what they're saying about breweries, but the likes of us, if we're not getting many distros taking our beer and spreading Neptune beer around, what are we supposed to do? At the same time, we've got to have some financial income coming in and we want our beer mm. to come out. You know, um, but... If more people, yeah, yeah did but then, buy yeah. our beer, then we wouldn't have need to, to go online. I'm sure a lot of breweries are like that. Yeah. I think also what's the, I, I referenced a couple of other breweries when I was talking about your, your beers as well, is that I'm more likely to buy the one-off beers from people via a bottle shop because I might not want a case of 12, 16, 20, 24. But because you guys have a very good core range, which again, I think I can say the same for the other breweries that I said I bought beer from. And then you might have some specials or seasonals that I can then chuck in as well. Mm -hmm. I think that also helps. There are some breweries who I don't want to buy a case of 12 from them mm. or a box of 12 because I haven't really tried it. But I might go to the bottle shop and buy one of theirs, two of theirs, two of someone else's, three of someone else's. Uh, and I think that's the thing as well. That there is a balance, and I think it can work. But yeah, like you say, you're not suddenly putting casks and kegs of beer into pubs in your local area. So getting X amount of cans out means that you can still carry on producing, and hopefully, bottle shops, can shops, whatever you want to call them these days, um, can can still survive off the back of that. It's a, it's a tough balance, and as a consumer, it's a tough balance as well because you want to support both. Yeah. And, there's, you know, like Steve said, unless he's going to build his 10 out of beer cans, which, you know, I'm sure someone has somewhere. It's possible, um, yeah. <laughs> beer, beer can fault, beer, that's what I want. Yeah. You know, um, then you, you, you still have to make choices, and, you know, some of that is convenience, some of that is choice, um, some of that is your personal ethos. Like I said, I think people have started to recognise the value of local, whether that be beer, meat, bread, cheese, whatever your produce of choice might be. Um, not everyone will stick with it once things change again. Yeah. But I think a percentage of people will. I also think that breweries, web shops and takeout and those kind of things will also stay. So I think there's an adaptation of people's models from here, here on in. Yeah. But there is a different way of shopping. There's a different way of spending. There's room. There's room for everyone who's good at what they do. Yeah. 
I think I think the issue the issue comes when maybe a brewery becomes a little bit more focused and says, well, you know what, actually, we're the only people that are going to sell our beer online, and then they stop distributing to everybody else because then you're, as you say, Martin, you're being, you've not got that option of saying, well, I can go to an online shop here and I can buy, I can buy four cans of Abyss from, from Neptune, but I can also buy a couple of cans from this brewery and I can buy a couple of bottles from this brewery and I can have them all in a box. It's when that choice is taken away and the brewery says, no, the only place you can buy our beers from is us directly that'd be a shame if that happens that that would be a massive shame i I think because i think there's a that there's enough room and i I think we've seen a number of breweries as well that as they've gone into the online space in the last nine months they that there are some out there that haven't just started selling their own beers they've started selling guest beers as as well from other breweries and i think that's great to see and i think again that just you know comes back to this wonderful community that, that, that that we're in where where people just want to want to support each other and, and and help each other out whenever they can. As as always, that was just an absolute snapshot of some of the comments that we had on 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 this poll. If you want to see all of the comments, there's a link to the the, the poll question in the show notes. You can go through, click on that, and read through what everybody said. Uh, you can still get involved in this discussion. Use the hashtag opinions, and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness write it down from john rogers at jm rogers 2000 good to listen to donkey stone brew from greenfield being tasted and enjoyed in essex didn't realize they'd established such a wide core range and still not taste them just around the corner in upper mill sounds like a decent bottle and can selection from richard taylor at rich taylor 1608 guess it's time to buy a christmas jumper and think about christmas tunes loving that there will be a crimbo crawl this year virtually but i'm not complaining it's always great to meet people who listen to the show and put some faces to names and share beers together from your boy rob edwards at rob edwards 90 i'm worried about martin after some of his comments about ice in beer maybe time for a new co-host <laughs> not just yet rob but i'm keeping an eye on things <laughs> Um, if he comes out with any more of those mad questions like that one then then, then maybe and then from Michael at Mick McGrawty, great show guys already booked in for both Crimbo Crawl sessions. From Pete at Hops and Hoops, great show, love the outro track. When I worked at Flicker and Firkin in Richmond, West London, in the late 90s, we'd always play that at kicking out time. And from the old lady, geez, you guys had me in bits this week talking about your final pub visit and that special feeling of togetherness that is unique to your local. Didn't realise quite how much I missed it. Just about recovered and then new rollout semi-sonic for the outro. Yeah, apologies for that, folks. It just, <laughs> it just seemed to be the, uh, the, the, right, the right song to close last, the last show on. From Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers. Cracking show, gents. That said, I'm going to have to stop listening if you talk about any more Treehouse or Pliny that I can't drink. On the shake in the can point, I did hear a brewer recommending it in an interview. He was saying if a centrifuge had been used, you should be able to do it to get more hop oils back in suspension without getting yeast in suspension. No idea how that how true that is. From Beer O'Clock Brewing at a Bo Brewing, a great SM show, guys. Interesting fact about New Zealand growing American hops. In 2016, New Zealand Cascade was renamed to Tahiki because it had become so different from the US version. Great shout from Rob for the Crimbo Crawl at home. I've signed up. From Guzzler at Lagging Boat. 
really enjoyed the podcast chats, but I was one of the foolish ones that bought the Forbidge Jaipur 15 gift pack. So you can, you can imagine my delight at finding out that if I'd waited a little longer and only paid £10 more, I could have received all of these plus extra goodies. From Ian Hay at II Hay, excellent episode as always. A very emotional one though, an extraordinarily tricky time for so many. From Lackbeer Bassey at Lackbeer Bassey, great podcast as usual. Thanks for the heads up on the Fuller's Vintage Ale 2020. Whilst listening to the podcast, I ordered some bottles. And then finally from Mark Johnson, interesting stuff as usual. Looking forward to the Neptune chat as well. Also looking forward to our 2021 Smoked American Hop special. <laughs> I bet you are, Mark. I wouldn't mind that one. How much Steve is looking forward to it? Questionable. It's very, very questionable. Um, We've had to open more abyss, haven't we? <laughs> While we're working our way through the uh, second can of said abyss, Julie, not only are you involved in Neptune Brewing, you're also involved in, in another little project, aren't you? I am, yes. Um, I am founder and contributor of Ladies Athea, which was started in February 2015. Um, before Neptune went professional, if you like. Um, it's a group, a social group, and it's also an education group supporting women um, who enjoy beer and trying to get more women learning and educating them on the merits of how good beer is. And you say that's from 2015. So this, like you say, this was before Neptune became... Yeah. brewery we yeah. know it yeah we were we were already home brewing but it was just before Neptune became a professional brewery if you like it was an idea um that I'd had for a while and that was um from visiting um festivals going out with friends and and Les and just looking around and thinking bloody hell where are all the women why are there so many women here or the women that were there were some were drinking either wine or spirits and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but I was just wondering if it's a beer festival why are women drinking beer and then I even noticed more going into pubs exactly the same thing that there were women there ratio there was more men to women but again there wasn't that many drinking beer and I wanted to to know why and see if I could put that straight. And that's really how it started. I put the idea to a group of my beer-loving friends, and I said, this is what I'd like to do. Let's start social media goes on, and we can explore further avenues from there. And they were like, yeah, this sounds amazing. Let, let's do it. So every month, unfortunately, obviously, COVID put pay to a lot of our meetups, but we go out once a month, um, Monday to Thursday, uh, and we do those days due to the fact that pubs and bars need our support more through those days than they do on a Friday and a Saturday, because most people go to the pub then. So we're out supporting those days, and if we're supporting the bars and pubs, we're in turn supporting the breweries as well. Um, so we do that Monday to Thursday, and then every couple of months we go on day trips either on a Friday or uh, sorry or either a Saturday or a Sunday and we will visit various places Sheffield Manchester Huddersfield we've been to London um yeah 
yeah, we, we, we travel around. It sounds excellent. But I mean, Monday to Thursday, once a month, that's quite a session, four days a week. <laughs> I mean, I, I admire your stamina. Jim. That is fantastic. Well, what can I say? Which was just great. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll put some links in the show notes to where people can find out more about that, Julie, and, and hopefully get involved in, in what you're doing. In, in terms of Neptune, what's, what, what's next for you folks? Obviously, you know, hopefully everything's pointing in the right direction that in the next six to 12 months, we might be returning to some sort of normality. Assuming that happens, where, where are you taking the brewery um, next? I think from, I mean, obviously what this, this pandemic and this lockdown has proved that I think small pack is something we're going to focus on a little bit more. Um, I think the, the, the heart of the brewery will still be in draft, but I think we can certainly put more beer into cans, more beer than we normally do um, into cans. Because there's a lot of beers we produce have never seen a can, you know, ever. So there's a lot of lot of beers we can put into can and um, specials. We're going to do yeah, some more specials. We've, we've got we've got a couple of barrel aged beers, which are well, we've actually got four I think on the go at the moment, um, and we may well just do them in small pack. Uh, rather than yeah the six barrels of four beers um so we, we may well put those exclusively into small pack now rather than you know into draft uh so more people get to try them as such because normally you know if we do a, a 200 litre barrel it's only you know 10 kegs eight 10 kegs depending on you know the size and what we can produce so it, it ends up in a limited space um so i think that's what we will do, hopefully 2021, we get to March if we like, we can just reset to where we were in March 20. And we had tap takeovers lined up across the country. You know, we had I think three in Newcastle. We had a couple in London and, you know, other, other places. So hopefully we can just pick up those again and just spread this out a little bit more, you know, get people a bit more aware of what we do and, and everything else so it'd be nice if 2020 becomes forgotten to some degree for all the bad stuff and we can focus on the positive things that we've managed to do as in cans and stuff like that and the online shop um it'd be good to do some collaborations as yeah. well we, we there's some yeah, collaborations we had, that we had yeah. in place but unfortunately covid put pay to that yeah. um, there's some breweries that I would love to, to collab with as well. Some of my favourite breweries, um, breweries that are brewing brilliant beer yeah. as well. So from from that perspective, I think that would be yeah. amazing as well. Um, but yeah, you know, if we can expand the brewery as we plan to this year, um, yeah. that's certainly something that we do want to, to do. Uh, we've got the capacity... Yeah. To, to do that, yeah. haven't we? So, and we had our, we, well, it was going to be, it would have been our fifth birthday in April, and we, we actually had, it was, yeah, it, well, yeah, it was, it was our fifth birthday in April. We planned a lot of stuff around that. We, 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 we'd done, we, we, we had five collab beers planned all at our brewery. Uh, we managed actually to get four of them done, uh, but again, because of COVID, basically most of them ended up just coming out of the tap room. 
uh, and they all went into the draft. So again, it didn't really spread the love that much. Uh, we've rebrewed one of them so far. They're all really good beers. Um, really pleased with them. So we'll possibly do a sixth birthday instead of the you know, the fifth birthday that wasn't. Uh, we had some tap takeovers lined up and launches again across the country for that. Um, so our five hundredth brew, our five hundredth brew is also sitting there. Is literally the tip. Do you know every time we do something special, it seems to bloody get the kibosh on. Yeah. It. Can you stop hey. doing spe- special stuff then? You're jinxing everything. <laughs> It's all our fault. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so, it's all you. Um, where, where can people keep up to date with all things Neptune? Obviously, we'll put links in the show notes to your socials and to your website. But just Can I ask a question, Steve? Shout out. Yeah, yeah, One question. Literally, where can people find you? I don't mean online. Where are you? We are in a place called McGull, which is 20 minutes outside Liverpool City Centre. So that's where the brewery is and that's where the tap room is yeah. as well. So you can um, jump on the train from Liverpool Central and it's a 20-minute train ride and about a 20-25 minute walk. There's a station which is five minutes yeah. away for about three quid and there's a couple of buses that will drop you off at the top of the road yeah. as well. So If you put it into some sort of perspective... We're one train station away from Aintree. Where can we find you online? If you visit our social media sites, uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and we're on Facebook. And they will have links to our website, which also leads on to our online shop. There will be links in the show notes to everywhere that you can find Neptune Brewery online, including their website where you can buy the range of fantastic beers that we've tried this evening. Um, we just need to do some final thoughts on the second can of the <laughs> that, that we sneaked into our glass. Uh, I don't think my thoughts are much different from when we first tried it. It is an absolutely delicious stout coming in at 5%. Um, it's just everything I want. It's really smooth. It's it's got that creamy edge to it, and and there's just a lovely balanced roastiness at the end of it. That's exactly what I want, Martin. Yeah, and it's got the little touch of sweetness as well, which it just feels natural rather than added with adjuncts, lactose, etc. I mean, I mean, we've cracked up. Well, I've practically finished my second can as well, Steve. We still haven't finished the show. So I think that says everything you need to know about this beer. Yes, it's been absolutely delicious. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we would love to hear people's thoughts on this week's show. Use the hashtag opinions. Can you continue to get involved? Just a reminder that uh, places for the Crimbo Crawl at home are still available for session one. There's a link in the show notes to how you can get a place on session one. The password that you need is warm hugs. Just another mention for Beer Nation, which is coming towards the end of the year, which is us and a number of other podcasts in the UK, all talking about the state of beer in the UK right now and the impact that 2020 has had on that. Martin, what is coming next time? In a break from recent tradition, it's a guest drinker again. So we are joined by Owen Walsh from Brussels Beer City. Going to discuss a few things, including the launch of his new book all about all things Brussels and beer. And uh, even though the beers we're going to be trying, some beers from Utopian Signature Brew and a special beer that Owen had a hand in for his Brussels Beer Project book. 
looking yep. forward to that one especially very much looking forward to that show looking forward to being joined by owen as well and if anyone's wondering the reason why we're doing back-to-back guest drinkers is because the show after that is our wonderful end of year show where we look back over the year and get very very drunk drinking yep. very high abv beers as tradition would have us do it would indeed. Julie, Les, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's been absolutely wonderful to have you on the show and to drink your beers. Thank you for sending them down to us. It has been a real pleasure. And I do hope that everything goes really well for you in the future. Well, thank you for having us on. We've really enjoyed it, guys. Cheers. Uh, cheers. It's been brilliant. And the only thing left to say is cheers. 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 Any, anyway, online, where can people find you? <laughs> right, okay, say that again. Where Steve. can you find okay. me? So on, on, online, where, uh, online, where do our listeners find you? Okay, I'll, I'll ask the question again when you're ready. Okay, hang on. <clears throat> Let me have a drink. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah, that's going to help. I paid you for that. I didn't do anything. I just said I wouldn't travel on a stag do, so was it? Yeah, you wouldn't come to the desert, wouldn't you? Bloody hell, that was great. None of us on a stag do. Right, okay. Right. Hang on. One, two, three, go. Online, where can people find you? (laughs) Our website. (laughs) For God's sake. Uh, (laughs) I'm trying my hardest to be like professional here. (laughs) Just why everything's falling apart around me. (laughs) It's just the way you say it, Steve. You're making me laugh. Sorry. Um, Martin, maybe you should try it. Is it worse? It's still gone, look. <laughs> I can give it a go. Yeah, give it, give it a go. See if you make Julie laugh. Hang on. That's <laughs> okay. Go on. I've got my serious face now. So, Julie and Les, where can we find you online? If you go to uh, com. You'll find our website, which will give you information on the styles of beers. Do no. <laughs> what we to do it? Tell you what, it's good that double dry up the IPA. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, give me one more go, Grace. I'm serious now. Okay.
Martin, Martin, you're going to have to introduce it again because apparently I'll make Julie laugh. All the links are on the website. That's what you need to say. All the links are on the website. But actually, you don't even have to say the website. You can just go your Twitter yeah, and Instagram us, handle. Tell, tell us where we can find you on Twitter and then we'll, we'll, I'll yeah. put a link to show notes. And because your Twitter will have the link anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah, go on then. One, two, three...